Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Get Real with Mama Moines. I'm your host, Emily Moines, and this is a bonus episode. I really wanted to get this out this week. It's really been bothering me. It's been weighing heavy on my mind, and I wanted um, to just share my thoughts on the Gabby Petito case. For those of you that don't know who Gabby Petito is, and I can't even imagine that you, there's people out there that don't know. Um, she was found deceased on, no, it was confirmed on Sunday that the body that they found a few days ago was in fact Gabby Petito's body. But she uh, was a very popular blogger. I think um, at the time of her death, she had over 600,000 uh, followers on her Instagram page. Uh, it's well over a million now. Um, and uh, she was traveling, her and her boyfriend slash fiance. Um, I don't think they were engaged. I think they had sort of broken off the engagement, but they were still together and they were traveling um, through the summertime through the States. Uh, I think they started their little excursion back in June and they were sort of uh, traveling um, backpacking and camping and um, hashtag van life was sort of their thing. Um, she had uh, a van and they had sort of you know pimped it out and it was uh, like a little kind of tiny house sort of thing but it was a van and uh, they were living the van life. And I'm sure a lot of people that were watching her videos and her posts um, were feeling probably a little bit envious because they did seem like they were living the life. Well, as we all know, as what I try and tell you often and instill in children and in young teens and in um, everyone really is that what we see on social media all that glitters is not gold or whatever that saying is in a nutshell can't believe everything that you see on social media because for the most part it is everyone's highlight reel they show you what they want you to see particularly in this case that really stands true so I had the opportunity last night to sit back and watch about, I don't know, it was 45 minutes at least to an hour of the body cam video from one of the police officers. And I then proceeded after watching that to do a recording for my podcast and listening to it this morning. I, I, I just decided I needed to redo it. I was so angry last night, you guys. So distraught over what I was seeing. So triggered um, that I decided I needed to re-record with a different perspective today. And so today I'm a little bit calmer. I think I'm a little bit sadder. Um, I was angry and my anger has turned into a little bit more, I think, of sorrow because the last thing I can remember thinking before going to sleep last night was, 
that poor mother that has to watch her daughter's last moments on camera, crying, scared, confused, clearly emotionally distraught, and there's nothing she can do about it. And that, for me, as a mom, would be completely heart-wrenching. I was extremely triggered by watching it all unfold because the narrative was so um, familiar to me that I almost could have guessed exactly how Brian Landry, Laundry, who was the boyfriend, was going to respond when the police pulled him over. Um, for those of you that uh, watch uh, CNN or have heard of Anderson Cooper, I mean, who hasn't heard of Anderson Cooper? You really need to watch um, Anderson Cooper 360. Uh, he interviews John Walsh. John Walsh um, is uh, he's very he's well known. He started America's Most Wanted after his son was brutally. Uh, murdered uh, at the age of six years old, little Adam Walsh. And um, from that, John st started uh, America's Most Wanted and has been extremely successful in capturing fugitives and in solving cases and in um, uh, recovering, you know, and finding a lot of missing persons. Um, and so John Walsh said on Anderson Cooper's a TV show that when he was watching the body cam video when the police pulled over the van that he was watching it with an old friend of his who was an FBI agent that he was terrified that John Walsh watching it felt terrified after watching the exchange and he went on to say that she from all his experience that he's had over, I think, 30 years, was that she, Gabby, displayed um, symptoms of being completely terrorized. And those words really stuck with me. And so the, um, sorry, my phone is blowing up and it's distracting me because I did a video the other day and so many people are responding. Um, and so the video cam shows ex pretty much what I expected to see. Um, yeah, pretty much what I expected to see. So poor Gabby is the one that comes out of the van first. So the police pull them over and Gabby comes out. And the first thing she says is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She totally takes the blame. She takes the blame for distracting Brian's driving. Um, she is, has this sort of, her body language is very um, meek. Uh, but I found, what I found interesting is that she's instantly apologizing and taking the blame. Which was very, I think, very, very telling. She was terrified. She was scared. 
And I think she was scared because she did not want in any way to implicate her boyfriend or to accuse her boyfriend. Because I think, in my humble opinion, this was not the first time that they have had a domestic altercation. And I think she knew all too well the wrath of what would come if she had implicated him or accused him to, to authority. So Brian, however, comes out of the car and when he's having the conversation with the police, he performed extremely fucking well under police pressure. He was calm, he was cool, totally composed. Uh, he was very smooth, he was charming. He was hyper compliant, uh, very polite. Yes, sir. No, sir. Of course, sir. Overly cooperative. Um, he was almost behaving like the police were like, they were like buddies. Uh, he was very apologetic. You know, I'm sorry, six times. He said, I was sorry, six times for speeding because they pulled him over apparently for speeding. So, um, he apologized six times, you know, Jan, I'm sorry, you know, I just, I, I wasn't paying attention and sorry if I was speeding. Yeah, Gina, I'm sorry if I was speeding. Hey guys, you know, huh, I'm sorry. You know, he just knew how to say all the right things, which told me that he has been involved with dealing with the police before. He did not seem distressed. He did not seem, um, I mean, Gabby was a mess right? She was crying. She was upset. She was scared. She was confused. That's how normal people behave when they're confronted with a situation like this that is, that is highly stressful. And he could not have cared less. He was joking around with the police. Um, one of the police officers at one point even made reference to, you know, his, he understands, you know, these women overly emotional, irrational. He has a, you know, he has a, a crazy ex-wife himself says the police officer. And what comes out of the entire exchange, to make a very long story short after this, you know, exchange, is that Gabby, the one that has been found dead, and it has been ruled a homicide, Gabby is written up in the police report as the aggressor and Brian, cool, calm, collected, hyper-compliant, very helpful, very cooperative, I think refers to the police as buddy at one point, he is the victim. He is the victim. She is the aggressor. The master manipulation that occurs with people like Brian is beyond. They know very well how to manipulate, especially authority. And what I am having a really, really hard time understanding is there was a 911 call that came in from an eyewitness that specifically says, tells the operator that he witnessed Brian, and the reason why I know it's Brian is because he gives them 
the description of the van and the license plate number matching the van that Brian was driving. And by the way, let me just say that the van that Brian was driving belongs to Gabby. It's Gabby's van. And the reason why I want you to listen to that and understand that is because at one point he locks her out of her own van, locks her out of her fucking car. Okay. So back to the 911. I know I'm all over the place. I'm sorry. I I'm having a hard time understanding this whole case. So 911 call is placed. There is a, a witness that observes Brian slapping her, pushing her, hitting her. I believe those were the words that he used slapping for sure. And it was made very clear that it was the male hitting the female. Where the fuck did that police report go? Or where, where, why did the police not have that report? Like what I'm under, like, am I missing something? Maybe I'm not following the timeline correctly. But there was a specific 911 call that came in reporting Brian Laundrie assaulting Gabby Petito. When it came down to that van being pulled over, it was Gabby Petito that was the aggressor. It was Gabby Petito who was put back into her van. They were separated, the police tried to de-escalate the situation as much as possible. Although I think they did a piss poor job. They really fucking do. Um, because that girl could have been saved. How about, hey, how about saying, do you feel afraid for your life? Do you, are you fearful? I don't know. Can we call your parents? Let us call your parents. No, they put him up in a hotel. He goes to a hotel. She goes to a, to back to her van, the van that she has already said that she doesn't feel comfortable driving. So she's in the van. He goes to a hotel. They make it very clear to him in a very soothing, calming, you know, reassuring manner that he's not in any trouble, that he's, he's the victim. And they're going to write in the police report that she's the aggressor. She's the abuser. And he gets off scot-free. And I'm sure he was clicking his fucking heels. Woof. Close call. That was a close call. Hey, eh, Brian. Well, fast forward. And now, we all know that Gabby's body has been found. She is dead. Who do you think killed her? Who do you think killed her? Come on. Who do you think fucking killed her? Makes me so mad. There's also um, more to the story because he returns home 
So the last communication, I believe, with Gabby, with her family, was August 27th. Uh, there's even speculation that the last few posts that she did on her Instagram were not her. That uh, there's, there's speculation that it was Brian um, for many reasons. There was inconsistency with her, the last couple of posts. Uh, she normally tags the area, um, the location that she's at, and the last couple of posts didn't have that. So there's speculation that um, he's been using her phone and communicating with her parents. He also referred to her grandfather as Stan in one of the communications to her parents, which they thought was quite odd because Gabby would never refer to her grandfather by his first name. So they do feel that, um, that you know, there was a time frame there where he was using her phone and impersonating. Gabby. Now he returned. So that was at like the 27th of August. Now he returns home to his home, September the 1st in her van without her. Okay. Are you following me? He returns back home to his parents driving her van and Gabby's not there. Okay. Then on September the 11th, Gabby's parents realize that he's been home now since the first, and they start asking questions. Where's Gabby? What's going on? Why isn't she with you? You're driving her van. And he and his family, his mom and dad, refuse to cooperate, not only with the police, but with Gabby's parents. Then, okay, so that was September the, the 1st. He comes home, September the 11th. They find out she's he's back. She's not with him. Her parents file a missing persons report. That was September the 11th. He's not cooperating. Um, and then on... September the 17th, Brian's parents file a missing persons report. He is now missing. Okay, so remember, he comes home September the 1st. Gabby's parents find out September 11th that he's been back and Gabby's missing. They file a report. The 17th, the laundries file a missing report because apparently Brian goes back on another camping trip, backpacking, and he didn't return home. So he had not been seen since September 14th. According to his parents and to the family lawyer, Bertolino. So Bertolino puts out a statement, he's the family lawyer of laundry, that Brian has not been seen since September 14th. It is now the 17th, and they are now filing a missing, a missing persons report. This is what I think. This is what I think. I think that the lawyer and that his parents have just bought him a shit ton of time. They gave him a quick little head start to get away. And I also don't believe that he is back um, at the at the um, uh, the camping grounds. I think it's like twenty five thousand acres 
and the name escapes me, but wherever they were camping, wherever they were last seen, that's where they're looking for him. And that's where he told his family, allegedly, that he was going to go back and, and do some more camping in that area with just his backpack. I don't, I don't, I think that's a diversion. I think it's a tactic to throw them off. And I think he is nowhere near there. That's just what I think. I could be wrong. I have no idea. The whole thing is a nightmare and is such a sad, senseless loss of life. Nothing makes sense. And just if you watch, if you watch the body cam video, it really is infuriating because the way they treat him, the police officers, and they're laughing and they're carrying on. And then meanwhile, she's, she's a mess. She's a mess. And Brian probably loves that because again, he's cool, calm, collected. She is the one that is a little bit crazy. Was the word that was used the in the report? She was having a manic episode. And so that's great for him. He's loving that. She's appearing a little bit crazy. She's the aggressor. She's the abuser. She's manic. She's distraught. She's confused. She's incoherent. And he is apologetic and compliant and polite, offers more information that they, than they even ask for. He's carrying on a conversation with absolutely zero fucking empathy towards her zero empathy. And so I'm very curious to see how the rest of this unfolds. I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever, none, zero, zilch, that he is the culprit, that he killed Gabby, and that his family are helping and abetting in the situation. That's what I think. That's what I believe. Um, and I can't wait to see how it unfolds and I can't wait to have him brought to justice. Some people are speculating that they think that he may have committed suicide. Uh-uh, no way, there's no way. He has not killed himself. He is out there, he is on the run. I don't think he's in the, the swamp. I don't think he's you know, backpacking through the woods. I really don't. Um, and I think that he is 100% the one that took her life. Also, I don't think, I may have mentioned this, but there's no way that this is the first time that they've had this sort of, um, altercation just from her body language coming out of the car, immediately assuming um, responsibility, being apologetic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not wanting him to, um, get upset, not wanting to implicate him being very cautious in her words. So I don't think this is the first time. And so there you go, people that, you know, look at social media and sometimes feel bad that you are not up to par, that your life is not as great as everything you see on social media. Social media is not real. Social media only shows you what they want you to see. Um, she also had said something about uh, when she was taking the blame 
um, you know, I'm, I'm OCD and sometimes I get, you know, I, I just get worked up and, and I know what upsets him. <sighs> Give me a fucking break. Um, and her dad has come out saying she is not OCD. So interesting, interesting how she felt like she, you know, was trying to de-escalate the situation and take the blame off of Brian because she did not or was afraid of what would come of it. Oh gosh. Anyway, I'm going to also provide, um, a, this is, this, this is John Walsh's, um, tip line. I know I have a lot of, um, listeners that are in the States, um, uh, but this is the tip line. If you see anything, if you know anything, if you hear anything, instead of calling the FBI, uh, I honestly believe that John Walsh has been more successful in solving cases and missing persons cases and murder cases uh, than the FBI has. So the number is 833-378-7783. Again, the number is 833-378-7783. I know that you can call that line anonymously. You will not be asked any questions. All they want to know is if you know anything, if you've seen anything, if you've heard anything, they don't give a shit about anything else. They just, what do you know? They will not ask you, ask any personal information. So you do not need to be afraid to call that tip line. Um, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's about it. I encourage you all to watch the tape. If you can stomach it, the body cam tape, it is, it is, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch her knowing that, you know, that's the last time anyone sees her is in that state. She was clearly so afraid and it's really difficult, you guys, to listen to her voice and, uh, and to see her fragile. Um, I mean, she's probably 110 pounds, if that. Um, and so it is difficult to watch, but I forced myself to watch it because I just don't want to bury my head in the sand. And I just wanted to speak on it because when I saw his demeanor talking to the police, it was very triggering for me and I almost could have, you know, I'm almost could have just basically guessed exactly how he was going to behave. I'm going to sign off and I'm going to try and watch something happy tonight because my mind has been wrapped around this for the last few days. And it's also really important to protect your mental health and to not be sucked down this really dark rabbit hole. Um, because it can be very, very dark. So I'm going to sign off. I'm going to watch, you know, a happy movie and take my mind off of it. I just wanted to sort of give my thoughts, put my two cents worth. I think that um, she was in an, in an abusive relationship. I think that this has happened before. I have no doubt that he is responsible for her death. Uh, it was very apparent to me from his alter interaction with the police that he we knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly how to behave. He knew exactly how to respond. He was very smooth. He was very charming. And, um, and she, of course, reacted in, in a manner that I think anybody would when confronted with a situation like that and dealing with the law. You are scared. You are afraid. Um, you are distressed. You are distraught. You are confused. All of those things that, that I think she felt. So um, looking forward to bringing him to justice finding him and I'll I want to end by saying that my thoughts my prayers are with Gabby and her family at this extremely difficult time 
and I think that we need to do better when it comes to these domestic abuse situations. I think that our law enforcement need to be better trained on how to detect and how to read body language. Um, and so do our lawyers and our judges. I think that there's a real lack of education um, in terms of, you know, really understanding and looking for signals and body language um, and signs that somebody is under distress and they need help. Thank you for joining me today. I know it's a somber one. Um, I appreciate you all following and listening and I will see you here next Wednesday on Get Real with Mama Minds. Thanks guys. I hope you all have a great night.